I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Which box player could be a surprise standout or a disappointment this season? And did the short baseball ramp up to the season do more harm than good to the Rays and all their injuries? Do you think after this year the NFL will want to go back to four preseason games or reduce it further? We've got all your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. And, Steve, before we get to those questions, um, a little housekeeping as we're uh, doing this podcast on a, on a Thursday um, night. Uh, the Lightning, uh, I guess, are, are not going to play tonight, meaning Friday. Uh, all games, I guess, are expected to resume at some point over the weekend. Um, we'll get in. We know why, of course. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, began this um, with um, their boycott of their NBA game, and the NBA games, NBA teams followed suit uh, about the incidents uh, in in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, I would think, though, on the surface, uh, when you're just talking from a competitive nature that this might actually help the Boston Bruins a little bit because the one thing that that I kind of get got it from you know their game game what was a game 3 I guess is that uh Boston looked like the older more tired team to me on the back to back they certainly did i mean the lightning the lightning for the last two games and even the second half of game 1 have outplayed the bruins um i don't think there's any you know look at the shot totals look at the offensive time the zone in the time or time in the the offensive zone, uh, puck possession, all that stuff. The Lightning, you know, for, for much of this series, and it's only three games old, have been the better team. Uh, they definitely looked fresher on Wednesday night, and they got some, you know, great breaks early, and they, they forced them. But, the, you know, once you started cashing in on the power play, um, it, you know, it really kind of steamrolled on, on the Bruins, and they couldn't, they couldn't stop it. And by midway through the second period, that game was over. Right. No, it, it definitely was. And, of course, the Lightning got the power play going. I, I kind of thought, and we, and me and you didn't have a chance to discuss this game because it was, it was of course, late on uh, Wednesday. But I kind of thought that Boston made a mistake in that uh, it was almost like they had an, a, a sort of a, a game plan or a, an inclination to come out and, and really be overly physical, try to bait maybe Tampa Bay into getting some penalties. And it wound up backfiring because all of a sudden the Lightning got some you know, some power plays and they actually started to score on them and the confidence came back and then, you know, we know what happened after that. So it felt to me like Boston just wanted to sort of, you know, bait uh, the lightning in a little bit. Um, I'm not sure what, 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 what went down there, but whatever it was, it wasn't good. And by the end of the game, you know, they hung their, their rookie goaltender out to dry and so it got away from them 7-1 to one. now. Uh, by, the, you know, by the way, I, agree. I felt really bad for uh... – Vladnar on the point getaway. I mean, you know, you're making your NHL debut. You're fresh into the oh. game. Your team's getting rolled at that point, Horrible. and he and you get a breakaway from Braden Point, and he just made yeah. him look silly. And you, I felt yeah. so bad for the, the you know the rookie goaltender that you're just like, oh man. <laughs> they didn't even they didn't even try to protect that kid. That was awful. And um, yeah, that's not the way you want to make your debut um, for sure. Um, but I think, you know, without Tuka Rask, I think I've always thought that maybe Boston would be vulnerable. There's a reason why uh, he was their number one goaltender. And, and I think mm-hmm. the more shots the Lightning throw on net, you know, they're going to find some holes. And, and they certainly did the other night. Um, again, getting the power play back was huge. But um, we'll see. I mean, again, I think the little rest probably will help Boston regroup. Uh, you lose a little momentum, you know, from that sort of onslaught that the, that the Lightning had the other night. Well, but, so but you do lose watch. you lose some momentum possibly. Although I don't know if momentum carries game to game as much. That's although, what people say. It really doesn't. But yeah. but I do think the one thing that can carry over is confidence, particularly like on a power play. Mm-hmm. And so not and now having extra rest between that that could that that could not carry over. Which you would hope you know that you finally got some power play opportunities and then converted. Right. Um, but the other part of it, the extra rest is you know let's be honest it, it could help Ryan McDonough get back quicker. 
Well, that's true. Um, that's you know, true. And, and, and Sean Corrali for the Bruins were out, too. We believe that's injury-related, although not certain. Um, he, it, could, it could help him get back quicker in this series, too. So um, mm-hmm. as far as you know, any injuries or you know, if there's any nagging stuff on any of the Lightning players, too. Well, Victor Hemmings has been yeah. playing with a bad mm-hmm. ankle, so that, mm-hmm. that gets to heal up a little yeah. bit better. He seems to be skating better. And so. that was the great part of being up you know, 6-1 and then 7-1 in the third period is Victor Hedman took very few shifts in that third period. You know, they because they dress seven defensemen, they could basically sit him for the most part. That's right, and still right. roll three p- defensive pairs out there. I mean, it's very rare when your top two time on ice guys are forwards. Right, I believe Yanni Gord and Alex Kalorn had the most time on ice for the the Lightning. Normally, mm. defensemen, you know, Hedman and McDonough are usually the top two for the Lightning almost every game. Uh, but because you could rest Hedman in the third period, because you went eleven seven and you had that big lead, I think that's a huge bonus for the Lightning. Um, and, and then, you know, rebounding from a back-to-back for Vasilevsky now without an extra, you know, an extra day could help him in that, too. Not that he can't handle a back-to-back, but he hasn't done a back-to-back. In a, at least, he didn't do any this year. Maybe early last season was the last time he, he played back-to-back games. Yeah. It's always get, good to get your goaltender rest when he's playing every game, as he will be expected to do uh, throughout the NHL playoffs. Uh, let's talk about the Rays for a second. Uh, needing pitching, uh, they did what you would expect and traded for an outfielder. Brett Phillips of the Kansas wow. City Royals. This is the Tampa Bay Rays. They'll convert him to pitcher, right? <laughs> Maybe. He might have to play a lot of positions. He's a but, utility uh, guy that plays pitcher, you know? Right, right. He's former <laughs> Seminole. Maybe he pitched at Seminole High School. I don't really know. But uh, former local kid come home. Um, supposedly he has a nice laugh or something thereof. So uh, I, don't, I didn't know that they needed outfield depth. It seems to me like they have plenty of outfielders. Um, you know, I mean, you got guys like, Brandon Lau playing out there. I mean, you get different guys, you know, all over the place. Well, you know, when you, what, run, when you run that, maybe they're going to try the four-man outfield four permanently outfield. instead, of, instead of just, you know, a batter here or there. Maybe they're going to go yeah. that way permanently. Well, watching y- Yoshi Susugo play third base, maybe they should do that. I mean, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> what was going on there? Who, by the way, who is the scorekeeper at the Trap? I know, uh, you know, I, I know that um, – you know, I mean, I know who the scorekeeper is for the race, but I swear, in that game, there were there were they should have had about three years, and they were sitting there with one. And I, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how there was only one. Um, but you know, I'm not, I don't get paid to do that. It was a bad defensive day. They're gonna have to shore that up a little bit. But um, yeah, that that wasn't good. So they, you know, look, the pressure's on to get some pitchers. I mean, they they need they need to to, to buttress their starting pitching for sure, and then the bullpen. They got to hope they get some guys back, and it'd be nice to get Charlie Morton back. But if you could pick up a, you know, a fourth starter, um, something like that. Uh, look, you're in you're in the lead, in American League East. I don't know how they've done it, but they've done it. And this is the year, abbreviated or not, that they should try to go for it uh, if they can rent one uh, for you know 30 games or 27 games or whatever it's going to be. I'm sure they're working on it. And finally, before we get to mailbag questions, the Bucks have a scrimmage today. They're going to be at Raymond James Stadium. That's right, Tom Brady, Tampa Tom, or Tampa Tam, Tampa Tom, or whatever they call him. Um, Tampa Tampa Bay is going to be in Raymond James, and uh, this is going to be as close to a preseason game as they can muster with their own team, intra squad, of course. Plenty of hitting, not on the quarterback, um, of course. And and then they're you know the the biggest, the biggest thing is special teams, right? They they can't evaluate these guys. You just can't run down at full speed and, and bash into your own players very often. And so, you know, generally your rookies and your first and second year guys have to play special teams because they're not starters. And that's difficult to evaluate those guys because they're not, not going to be in the preseason. Um, so they'll try to figure out that. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of veteran players, you know, uh, guys that uh, like Jalen Mickens, who I wrote about in the Tampa Bay Times, that have some NFL experience, have been – uh, in those situations, and you know, you're going to have to just lean on them. It's going to be really hard to put rookies because usually the first couple games of every season, um, you know, the the most kickoff returns, punt returns for touchdowns, block kicks, things like that, they happen early in the weeks every season. And the reason they do is you've got a bunch of guys that are rookies that have a spot on the roster and don't know what they're doing on special teams. They make mental errors, and then guys go out the back door, and and it's a, it's a touchdown. So. Um, that's risky enough under the normal circumstances. Now you add to the fact that there was no offseason, no OTAs, no mini camps, and these guys aren't getting a lot of reps even now because they're trying to prepare for New Orleans. They only have a couple weeks to do that, and they're not really going through a traditional training camp. So scrimmages like the one they're going to have at Raymond James today, 
No fans, of course. I will be there. Check it out on the Tampa Bay Times, TampaBay.com. Uh, check out my Twitter at NFL Stroud. We'll have updates on how uh, Tom Brady looks and the defense looks. Um, but uh, it'll basically be a, a normal practice with the exception of some some live hitting going on in special teams and, and, um, and running backs and things like that. So we will have that today. Now we've got uh, your mailbag questions. we get a couple of those we can answer, and well, let's get right to it. Well, I guess you answered the first question. It came from Brian who said, will the media be allowed to attend either or both of the night scrimmages the Bucks will be doing at Ray J? If not, will you be using an even larger lens to get photos, or will you partner with someone to borrow a helicopter? Wow. That's a shot and a good one uh, at Channel 13, not me. Um, I don't know. We'll have to ask Kevin O'Donnell about the uh, helicopter. But uh, first of all, the uh, the scrimmage is this morning. Uh, it's not at night. There, uh, in fact, the next one will be in the morning as well because I think that's when Tom Brady wants to do it. So that's why they're doing it. But, you know, we, we're allowed into this one. I don't know and really don't anticipate we'll be at the next one because it's a little too close to the start of the regular season. Um, they may or may not invite us, but uh, uh, I don't expect to be there. This one, you know, they're kind of having a trial run for the stadium in it itself and, you know, make sure, you know, everything works. Um, I'm curious to see. I think we're about a week away, to be honest with you, from an announcement with respect to the Bucks about how many fans they will have at their games. And, and I do anticipate fans. In fact, I do anticipate almost any, any minute, really, USF to announce they're going to have fans. And we've heard the number 14,000 thrown around for them, 20,000, I think, for the Bucks, somewhere in there. We'll see. I mean, it remains to be seen, obviously. But or maybe it's fourteen thousand for the Bucks and ten thousand for USF. Regardless, um, I'm curious to see if they've taken you know, sort of the the you know the seats uh, the seat backs off or, or how are they going to do that? Because when they when they start creating these um, you know these areas to separate, um, they're going to have to make it such that you know you can't just slide over and go. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to sit here now. Um, so I think there might be some stuff that we'll see in the stadium structurally that's that begun that process. Maybe not, um, but they want it to be a kind of a trial run for their game day operations as well, uh, test everything out. And, um, you know, and, it, and then also it's a different venue, you know, for players. They've been out there uh, at their training facility, the same three fields. Now you go inside the stadium, you know, for many of these players um, – Tom Brady has played there before with the Patriots, but for many of these players, particularly rookies, it's the first time they've been uh, on that turf, you know, in that in that ball yard. So it's uh, gets the it gets the you know the juices flowing. I mean, that's the thing about preseason games. It's not so much that the starters are going to play a whole lot, except maybe in the third game, but which is this would be the third preseason game week. Um, but it's more about breaking breaking the monotony of training camp, and, and this one has been probably more monotonous than most because you know you're never going to go against another team until you get to New Orleans to play the Saints, and so um, you do. You know, it's the old cliche: oh, we get tired of hitting our own guys, but you do. And and they see all your plays, and they they cheat, you know, and they you know they don't always give you the best looks, and so guys get tired of each other. But um, this will be something different, you know. So. We'll be out there. We'll, we'll, we'll check it out. And um, I don't know about the next one. I'll, we'll keep you informed on that. I don't anticipate it. But we are only, as, as we do this podcast, we're, we'll, but by the time you listen to it, you'll be less than two weeks away from the start of the National Football League with the Kansas City Chiefs, right, going up against the Houston Texans on Thursday night football in just uh, less than two weeks. You're getting really good at this because you answered our second question already, too. It came from <laughs> UK Bucks asking when we'll hear about how many fans will be allowed in Raymond James. Well, again, I, I, I don't want to make predictions, but I do have some sources. And my, according to my sources, there could be an announcement, maybe, possibly, as early as next week. Not really sure when. Uh, make sure you check your Buccaneer ticket account for possible pre-sales of the home game against the Carolina Panthers. But um, but maybe not. Um, you know, we, we, have, we just haven't heard. Um, I, I know, you know, I think... I think the philosophy is of, of the Bucks, and some teams have said we're not playing with fans. Some have said we are. Um, they haven't said exactly how they're doing it or what the configuration of the stadium will be, that sort of thing. I think the Bucks want as much information as they can. Sometimes there's value in going last and not first, right? Um, so I think they kind of want to sit back and see what everybody else is doing. Um, so they don't but, subscribe to Ricky Bobby's theory? <laughs> no, no. If you're not first, you're losing. Was that what it was? If you're not first, you're last. You're last. You're last. Yeah. That don't make last. no sense. You could be second. 
or third <laughs> or fourth. That's right. It's a great movie. It is a great. There's so many funny lines in that in that movie. Um, I'll be on you like a spider monkey. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I just think that they're trying to get all the information they can. And at that last second, they're going to spring it on the season ticket holders and say, do you want to come or not? Um, but I know a lot of anxious, uh, ticket holders. They're like, you know, mm-hmm. we, we want, we want to know if we're going to get to go. And well, it helps too. Their first game's on the road. So they have an extra week they have the extra compared week, to a yeah. few teams that need to announce it sooner for That's the first right. week. That's so. exactly right. Mm-hmm. So why not take the time and get it right and know, know what the number is and then figure out. You know, part of it is figuring out the process, okay, who gets to go, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go with the, the most tenured, you know, ticket holders, but if we've only got 14,000, maybe we got more than that, you know, season ticket holders, and then we go by years. Um, some people have 10 season tickets. Some people have two. Um, you know, you can't have more than six in a row. I mean, just what is, again, what is the configuration? The Sky Suites don't, don't count necessarily. What about club seats? So they're... You know, and then you have this first seven rows are, are going to be tarped. So, you know, what if I sit in those first seven rows? Are you going to put me somewhere comparable? So there's a lot to work through. But um, but I think uh, by the time we do this podcast for Friday next week, we'll know. All right, Matt asks, do you think after this year the NFL will want to go back to four preseason games? Could they reduce it to two, or could they even be a thing of the past? I think they could be a thing of the past. Um I think a lot of things that we are losing in life and <laughs> in society will never come back. Um, I think 2021 will just be that year, right? It's kind of like, yeah, you're not going to get on an airplane without going through a metal detector and taking your shoes off because of one shoe bomber, right? Like that will always be a thing. They're not going to one day go, you know what? There hasn't been any shoe bombs. Just keep them on. Um, they might get better with the technology, uh, which they do have now with respect to you just, you know, put everything on the belt and go through, um, without taking off the socks and the shoes and all that. But, um, yeah, to answer, to answer your question, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, it seems to me that preseason has a usefulness, but not that much. Right. And, and so I think, I think there will be two games. I think that what's going to happen is I think they're going to go to a 17-game regular season. That's what I believe. Uh, not 18, but 17. I think that'll be the compromise. I think no, that's already two. happening next year. That's already right, that agreed hap- to. Yep. Right, that's agreed to. So if you do that um, and you had four preseason games, you're talking about 21 weeks, and that's not that's not really – that doesn't work. So um, I would think two is is sort of the number. And possibly zero because uh, the players may look at this and go, you know what, it worked fine. Um, it, our injuries were reduced because you do get guys hurt in preseason. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know. They'll have data to look at like, okay, what happened when the players went back and only hit themselves, hit each other and their own teams versus what are the, what is the injuries, you know, in preseason. And, and there's been, you know, starting quarterbacks knocked out of preseason games for the year. And you never want to see that, but it happens. And all kinds of stars um, so that's all stuff they'll have the data to evaluate. And I think what they're going to come up with is, yeah, it's not so good for the rookies. It's hard, you know, it's harder for them. It's harder for teams to evaluate. They, they do have a usefulness, but that's not to say once we get past this pandemic, you can't have joint practices because I've had a lot of coaches say we'd rather, uh, joint practice, uh, teams and, uh, you know, and do sort of, you know, pro thump or, or some live hitting, but be able to control, the down and distance, so we get looks at, at situations that we need that may not come up in a preseason game. In other words, there are times when, you know, hey, you know, this kicker didn't get to kick um, because we just never had an end-of-the-half field goal or, you know, maybe this guy didn't re- get to return a kick because we didn't have another punt, um, that sort of thing that was returnable. So you can control sort of what the situation is between teams that can, can scrimmage against each other. So... I don't think anything is going to be the way it was. I think 20, 2020 is going to change everything, including the NFL. And my guess is, just like I don't think I'll be in another locker room the rest of my life, which may or may not be good, but um, I, I, I really don't believe there'll be four preseason games again. All right, Keith mentioned, or asked, you mentioned a few weeks ago, but with Brady taking the day off yesterday, it's a reminder that teams should have a strategy to keep their top two quarterbacks away from each other to protect against COVID, taking them both out of the same week. Do the Bucks still have a plan for that? 
I haven't asked Bruce about this of late, but he had told me uh, some time ago that, yes, in fact, uh, kind of like the lone survivor in Congress, you know, there's always somebody that they designate not yeah. to go to uh, the State of the Union address. In yeah, case, Kiefer Sutherland you know, in the TV show, the designated survivor. Right, right. Um, designated survivor so that if, if somebody blows up the Capitol building with everyone in it, that there's one member of Congress that becomes president. <sighs> so um, I would suspect, and the way you would do it, I mean, if you were kind of strategic about it, you would say, okay, Blaine Gabbert's our backup. We never want him in the same meeting room with Tom Brady, right, in case the starter has COVID. You don't want your number two guy to have COVID, and then you're down to, you know, number three. So nothing nothing against, um, you know, the other quarterbacks necessarily, you know, Ryan Griffin or whoever it is, Reed Sinnott, but I think that um, – I I believe they will do it. Uh, I believe that, and, and if they don't do that, right, then they'll ha- they'll probably have a guy, um, and I don't know if he'll be on the quote practice squad or that that reserve squad that they have expanded, or just someone on speed dial that you know is a veteran that's familiar with with BA's offense. And he coached a lot of quarterbacks that are still probably on the street. Um, that would come in and, and you know and fill that role, um, but but yeah, I, it wouldn't it be like hockey thing. where they take a guy out of the stands and put him in there. Right, right. Like you're the goaltender, <laughs> yeah, for the day. I mean, something like that. But yeah, I I do think there will be a plan. And and, and if I were doing it, I mean, that's what I would separate the the number one and the number two. So I at least have my backup if if Tom gets out. And you know, if I lose Blaine Gabbert, then I've still got. My number three guy, if Tom and the number three guy are together, I got you got to do something like that, right? I mean, and you can do it in the era of Zoom anyway. Now, having said all that, unless somebody steps out of the, you know, the mini biosphere they've created, um, it's not likely. And there's the thunder rolls. You can hear thunder at my house. Um, it's not likely that, uh, you know, that these guys are going to get infected without them knowing immediately because, I mean, they get tested every day. In fact, we're going to get tested every day now. Uh, per the new NFL NFLPA rules, which is going to be really awkward, and we haven't figured out how we're going to do it. But, um, yeah, I, you don't want to be that guy, and if you're a quarterback and you're that guy, now things happen, right? Kids come home, family, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I think B.A. will have a plan. I think most teams will have to do that. All right, Les asked, people have talked about Tom Brady and how he has elevated the effort and expectations at one buck. Is this the greatest example of leadership that you have seen since you've covered the Bucks? Probably the best performance since Coach Dungy changed the culture. Well, um, you know, Tom Brady is the culture, and winning is the culture, right? And he still has to—he still has to change it. He's in the process, I think, of changing it. I was going to say, don't we have to wait for the results on that before you can yeah, say it's know. the greatest effort or the greatest? Yeah, I mean, what if it? What if it just is an absolute failure? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be, but you know, let's play the games first. It's hard. It's hard to predict. And, and Tony Dungy, it didn't, believe me, uh, believe me, it did not change just because he showed up. I mean, first of all, nobody wanted to hire Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy had like nine interviews uh, and knew nobody in Tampa Bay when he was called in here. He was their third choice um, after Steve Spurrier and Jimmy Johnson turned him down. Uh, he needed two interviews. He didn't interview great the first time. Uh, and so, you know, and, and then when he took over, um, they got their brains beat out like 34 to three to the Packers in the first week of the season and ended up, I believe they lost their first seven games or were one and eight at one point. And so it wasn't like, uh, yeah, boy, he walked in and everything was fixed. Um, that's not really the narrative. I mean, he did, he did get their attention and stuck to a plan and they kept continuing to draft well and add, uh, and got them to the point where they, you know, went to a championship game, probably should have gone to a couple others. And then, of course, when he was fired, John Gruden took the nucleus of that team and won a Super Bowl. But with Tom Brady, it's different because this is a guy that already has you know six rings, been to the game nine times. Uh, and when you watch him work, first of all, he draws your attention, right? I mean, he's the only other guy I can equate him to is, is like Peyton Manning, but he's a bigger star than Peyton Manning in, in many instances. First of all, he's got more rings. Secondly, he's married to Giselle Bundchen. I mean – He's been a sort of a, a celebrity slash quarterback as long, almost as long as he's just been a quarterback. Um, so, you know, he dated Bridget Monahan. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's, been, he's been out there for 21 years. So when you have a celebrity slash quarterback walks in the building, 
who's not going to pay attention to a guy with six rings? And then what happens is you find out he's one of the hardest workers on the team. You find out that nobody loves football. And I mean nobody on that team loves football as much as Tom Brady. And the guys are just blown away by it. They're like, holy cow, This no wonder this guy's good. He's 43. He knows everything. Like he's teaching receivers. You know, he's helping the quarterbacks. He's he's helping Byron Leftwich. He's helping Bruce Arians. Like he, you know, there's a he's a reservoir of knowledge. Uh, and they're, they're going to have to figure out, you know, what Tom can do, what Tom wants to do, uh, what what they can do with the personnel they have. Um, and they're going to have to have, you know, sort of that um, collaborative effort. But, you know, every guy we talk to says it's it's he's so competitive and he does so many things right. And to the point, even the other day, and I thought Todd Bowles had the one of the best analogies because um, Todd has played against him as a head coach with the Jets for years and as a defensive coordinator with the Dolphins and others. And he goes, I love having Tom on our team. He goes, but what you notice is that when you play against him and practice against him every day, is that it's not so much how accurate he is and the completions he makes. He goes, it's he makes the best incompletions you can imagine. It's like, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, because when he misses, and usually on purpose, no one's catching the ball. He goes, he's like a pitcher that can paint the corner on the outside part of the plate. He's not giving you anything, right? I thought that was a great analogy. And if you watch him play – You'll see guys go to the dirt, you know, go to the dirt and make catches, and um, you know uh, he'll throw, he'll put the ball in a position where only only they have really a shot at it, and and he is really good at that. You know that's why he's managed to keep the interceptions and the turnovers down because he understands the game. He knows how valuable uh, the football is, and and he lives to play another down. So um, I thought that was interesting, but no, he is he is sort of the culture. Um, when he walks in, he commands that sort of respect, and he's affected the entire organization. I mean, um, you know, the guy in the lunchroom is trying to do a better job, right, because Tom Brady is there and the expectations are there, and it's a short window. I mean, every guy in that in that locker room wants to win a Super Bowl. None of them have. Hell, none of them really have been to the playoffs at this point that aren't from another team and because they haven't been in 12 years. And so they're hungry to go. They have a guy that knows how to get there and has gotten there over and over again. So why wouldn't they listen to everything he has to say? So, yeah, it's been, it's been very impressive, and all the things you hear about Brady are true. Um, and he, he's very um, you know, competitive and very focused on trying, trying to win. But now it won't be easy. I think, I think what he's trying to do with, with the lack of offseason and preseason games and they're trying to rep everything as much as they can, but they simply don't. They're running out of time. They just didn't have enough runway here. He he spent as much time as he could getting used to the wide receivers at Berkeley and all of that, and that work was good, and it's paid off. Um, but it, there's just no way to, you know, this is not a, nothing normal about this, much less a guy coming here after 20 years in New England. So I think there'll be a better football team in November and December, uh, but I'll say this, they, they're, they're going to be pretty good right, right away, I believe. All right, Ellis asks, as we get closer to the NFL season, which Buccaneer player could be a surprise standout and or a disappointment? All right, let's let's uh, let's stay positive first. Um, somebody that could surprise in a good way, right? Was that one of them, one of the categories? Um, yeah, surprise would, or disappointment. So. Yeah, I, w- I would say the surprise I think is going to be Scotty Miller. And I don't know why other than what I've seen in practice. You know, he's added some weight. Um, for whatever reason, Brady's had success with, with, uh, with guys, you know, small, small schools in Ohio. <laughs> he went to Bowling Green. Uh, did he play quarterback went, though? Went to Kent state. He didn't play quarterback. No. And he's actually faster than Jules, uh, a lot faster. And he's caught everything. And I know this, this work started with him back at Berkeley and, um, he just makes plays for Brady. You know, Brady throws the ball in the right spots and he gets down the field a lot. Now, I don't know that he's going to play, you know, is not is Mike, not going to play as much as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and you still have Justin Watson who they also like a lot, who's also improved a hell of a lot and I could put him in that category. But the guy who from day 1 that I've seen make splash plays, right? Now, he may not he's not going to lead the team in receiving, but he may have some enormous down the field type type plays and, and 
runs after catches and, and and stuff like that. He, you know, for a guy that was you know drafted as as low as he was, um, I, you know, for him to go you know last year very uneven year, um, and come back with Brady and and you know Brady makes stars out of some of these guys. I think Miller could be that guy. Um, disappointment. Here's the guy that I still say, okay, let's see if he can do it. And that's Ronald Jones. You know, I I got nothing against Ronald Jones. I, I I see the talent that everybody sees. He's added weight. You know, he's about 225 now, I think. He is absolutely explosive when you get him, you know, to the second layer. He's got decent vision. Um, when he sees a hole and he hits it and he's been hitting it, he looks like a really good running back, okay? I don't trust his hands because I don't think he trusts his hands. Um, you know, he he puts them in funny positions. I mean, we, we still hear about that, you know, from uh, from his coach, McNair. And and I've seen him drop some balls. I've seen him drop a lot of balls, even in warm-ups against air. And I just know that Brady, you know, with Brady it's about trust. And he, he needs those running backs, he really needs those running backs not only to, uh, you know, to run the right routes, option routes and such, but to catch the ball. You know what he also needs? He needs them to block for him. And Ronald Jones has not shown that he can do that in, in real time in a real game. And, you know, I remember last year uh, uh, there was a game that he early on missed the blitz pickup, and he got benched for the entire game. And, you know, that's because Arians didn't trust him. Well, now you got forty three year old the goat out there. How many how many whiffs do you need to take that guy out for the whole season? And then where are you? Right? Then you need then you need to go into the witness protection program because people will be coming after you for crushing their dreams. So I just want to see if Ronald Jones can do it. And and when I mean do it, I mean like do everything that 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 quarterback needs that number one running back to do. And LaShawn McCoy is here, but LaShawn McCoy is 32 years old. You know, he had that ability a while ago uh, that Jones has, that explosiveness and all that. He doesn't anymore. He can still catch. He can still do some things. Um, After that, you're looking at the rookie, Keyshawn Vaughn, who's way behind and hasn't shown the ability to do any of that stuff yet. Um, And then Darwin Gumbawale, who I think Brady also trusts an awful lot, and I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Gumbawale ends up with a a lot of receptions. So, you know, Brady said, I'll freeze you out if you don't know what you're doing. I'll freeze you out if I don't trust you. So if he drops too many balls, you ain't going to be throwing it to him much. But that would be the one, just because there's been so much hype about Ronald Jones. And I'm guilty of it. I've hyped him on myself. But um, that's the one I'm I'm kind of kind of nervous about if I were a Buck fan. All right, David asks, I hear that O.J. Howard has benefited greatly from Tom Brady's coaching. Is that an indictment on the, his actual coaches? Um... Well, if you've heard that, was probably because we wrote it, and maybe we maybe we didn't present it well. I don't think it's an indictment because of his coaches. I just think that, you know what? It's a little like parenting, right? Like, you can tell your kid to do something or not to do something over and over again, and maybe they listen to you, and maybe they don't. But if a friend tells them something, they believe it, and they're going to do it. <laughs> you can't figure out why. Um, but when Tom Brady walks in there, you know, it's more about the messenger, not the message. You know, Tom Tom hasn't invented football. I mean, per se, right? Um, but but he does he he does have the rings. He's the Lord of the Rings. So when Tom Brady says to you, "You're O.J. Howard." Now remember, now O.J. Howard is a guy who, for the last two years, have read at trade deadline. He's going to be traded. He's going to be traded. Bucks are talking. Bucks are shopping him. He's going to be traded. Right? Never happened. Okay. But he had to read about it. So there must be so he's thinking, well, there's some smoke here, right? There's gotta be some fire. There's gotta be some truth to it. So he has that. So he has a bad year last year. And then what do they do? They they trade for Rob Gronkowski. Well, damn. You know, like first they're gonna trade me and now they bring in a guy to take my job or to be the number one tight end. What what what's going on here? So but here comes Brady, who takes a look at OJ Howard and sees his skill sets and says Oh my God, juice, babe. And he calls him juice. Juice, are you kidding me? You know what you could be in this? You know what I could make you in this league? Do you have any idea? Look at this guy over here makes $10 million a year. Gronk, you're way better than Gronk. You've got way more athletic ability than Gronk, 
right? All you have to do is do what I say and listen to him too because he can put you, you know, you're going to be lining up two tight ends sometimes right next to him. Talk to him about how to read defenses, how to read the rotation of the coverage, who to block, right? So this is the thing. Those two guys, the combination of them, have actually raised OJ's confidence and then just the workouts, right? And so now Brady has confidence in him. Now he got on him in practice pretty good. Like he's the first, you know, most of Brady's interactions with his players that we've seen have been positive. Like, way to go, Juice. Good route, Mike. You know, that sort of thing, right? Way to go, Scooter. He calls Miller Scooter, by the way. He has a nickname for everybody. So those have been mostly positive. Well, on Thursday, um, Juice ran the wrong route, or at least he didn't, you know, figure out the leverage and, and whatever. But, it, you know, Brady threw the ball where Juice was supposed to be, and if you had to guess who was right and who was wrong, you'd take the six-time Super Bowl champion. And then afterwards, a little time went by, and Brady was clearly disappointed, but then he got a hold of him between series, and you could see he was sternly sort of telling him, you know, you got to do this, not this. Like, you know, he was and, – and what I'm interested to see, Steve, is what, what happens when, when the bullets are live, right? right? What happens when, when the games matter and, uh, you know, all of a sudden um, it's third and four and you need a touchdown and or fourth and four and you need a touchdown, Brady puts it where the ball's supposed to be and you're not there or you drop it or something. Like, you know, what, is, what is Brady's reaction going to be? How, will he trust you? After that, but right now, O.J. Howard looks like a different player to me. I mean, not not just physically, but like he he just is carrying himself with so much confidence. Catching the ball has not been an issue, right? Where it has been at times in the past. And I think that Brady also understands, like, okay, here's what I want to do with him. Here's what I do with Gronk. Here's what I want to do with O.J. You know, um, and just the little tips we've read about where you know. Hey, you know, you're you can run a four five one, but you can't run a four five one if you're not if your hips aren't square running away from me. If you're looking back over your shoulder at the ball, worrying about that, you're gonna be slower. So don't do that. So you know, trust I'll put the ball on your hip. Just just run the damn route and run it fast. So these are the kind of little pointers. And you know what? Next thing you know, he runs the route, turns around, there's the ball, right? On his hip, just like where Brady said it would be. So that that trust in chemistry is being built, and I think Howard is benefiting from it greatly. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, Sam asked, the Rays are looking more and more formidable as the season progresses. They're 17-4 and four in their last 21, and it seems like they just keep pushing through to find help. What is it about the Rays that allows them to succeed through this while other teams like New York falters when they encounter injuries? Well, I think they're built differently. Um, you know, when you put a lot of eggs in the basket of guys like Aaron Judge and, and um, you know, some of the ones that, that, that they've signed big money contracts to that then get injured, what do you have behind them, right? I mean, the farm system, I think there's an emphasis on the Rays to build a farm system because they need um, quantity. They can't, they can't go out and spend, the, the, you know, the $25 million on a, on a cleanup hit or that sort of thing. Um, so their 40-man roster is going to be way better than your 40-man roster, but you may be better, you know, one through nine. Um, but the sum of their parts over over the course of a season, when you, you're in, invariably going to have injuries, um, and even a short season like this one, when Aaron Judge goes down, you know that's a huge hole that the Yankees really can't fill. And and I think it's culture too. I really do believe that the Rays and their players and Kevin Cash does such a great job with this. Um, they leave their egos outside in the parking lot. Like they come in, look at the lineup. I'm playing here. I'm playing there. I'm not in the lineup. I'm not playing against this pitcher. I'm coming in the game late. You know, they, they have complete buy-in um, and they have their own way of doing things. And the organization is great finding players that 
are versatile and multiple and, and, you know, can hit and play in different positions. Um, not an easy thing to do, not an easy sell for players. And, and I just think the Rays, that culture has just enabled them to keep going. You know what I mean? Like no matter what, we're going to keep going. We're going to find a way. It's like water, right? Water finds a way. They're just, they just keep finding a way, um, you know, to stay competitive and win games. And they don't care who the hero is. They're, you know, they don't care if they bash their way out of it or if they, you know, play just, you know, their DNA is also culture. Or their culture is also pitching and defense, which is you know, usually doesn't go in a slump. Now this year, um, they've had some, some times when they didn't play good defense, but they've had to use so many pitchers with 10 of them, you know, on the injured list. Um, and I don't, I don't know how they're doing it because some of these guys were not in the raise plans this year, even, and some are coming from other organizations altogether. But again, you get here and it's the culture. And I think, you know, it's, it's a remarkable thing what the Rays have built and how they do it. Um, very similar to the Oakland A's in many ways. And, you know, those teams don't just, they just don't seem to have, because they don't rely on one or two or three players, um, the injuries to one or two, three players can't knock them out. They, they just keep finding a way. Okay, Craig asked, did this short baseball do more harm than good with all the injuries with the Rays now? Had MLB had plenty of time to get a deal done and rushed back maybe too fast, now guys' careers are in jeopardy for a reduced salary. It's tragic. Um, if I'm a pitcher and I went through this whole, you know, COVID thing, and, and really baseball deserves some of the blame for this because they, they certainly had a longer period of time to get an agreement and, and to figure out a better way of starting, but then it became compressed because they were, they were running out of time became a 60 game season and you know it's it's epidemic through baseball but the Rays seem to have as many or more than anyone with 10 guys now on the IL but it's clearly clearly this has been a horrible thing for pitchers and there's a reason why uh, spring training lasts six weeks and not four weeks and um, you know you always go through a period after about a month where these guys you know get dead arms they got to be built up and then then their arm gets a little tired a little dead and then you know, by the time the start of the season, those last two weeks where you get a little bit of rest, um, <clears throat> you start the season, you're strong. But having gotten them stretched out, ready to go, then shut down completely, and then they're kind of building up. But now you're playing. And the other the other message is, which is subliminal to pitchers, is that every game matters. There's only 60 games. In other words, you're out there on the mound. We have to win this inning. We have to get out of this jam. And you got to throw as hard as you can you know, or as more effective as you can to get us out of it. And you're really not there uh, physically to do that. You know, um, there's just a difference between how you throw in the bullpen, how you throw on the side, how you throw in spring training games, and then how you're going to attack hitters when you think every out, you know, is is the difference between making the playoffs or not. And that was sort of the message was like, hey, we got to win every, you know, we got to play every game to win. There's only 60 of them. So I think the combination of all that has led to guys with, you know, bad arms and they're all over the league, but there, there's certainly too many here. And somebody's got to take a look at this. Cause it, it, you know, if you're Yanni Chirinos and you're getting Tommy John, I mean, he struggled to make it to the big leagues in the first place. He's going to be 30 years. I mean, he will, he'll be missed next season. So he'll be 30 years old or close to it when, when, uh, when he comes back. Well, who's to say that anybody's going to want that guy, you know? Um, maybe the Rays will, but I'm just saying like, yeah, there are careers now based on where they're at in the progression of their career. There's careers now that are going to be lost because of this quick ramp up. And it it was a mistake. Uh, we know this now, um, that it didn't do the pitchers any favors and it's unfortunate that guys are going to pay for it. All right. Alfredo asked with all the pitchers getting hurt this year, maybe we can give big game James a call. I'm kind of kidding, but I would really like to see him retire as a Ray. What a big game James is doing. Wasn't he complete game James? I think that's kind of what I called him. I mean, I don't know how many. I mean, he did win some big games, I guess, back in the day. Uh, haven't heard from him in a while. Sinker ball picture, pitcher, uh, low 90s fastball, probably probably about 87 now. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, it'd be nice if he could retire a Ray. I don't know that I want him on the mound. <laughs> Just I don't think that's going to help. Yeah, I don't know if he's uh, officially retired. He last pitched in uh, 2018 for the White Sox. So. The White Sox, right? Yeah. yeah. And it did not go well, as I recall. 
his last few seasons. So, yeah, no one's clamoring for him. I think his I think his days are over. But maybe we'll see him. Maybe we'll see a, a you know a James Shields night at the Trop when we can have fans again. All right, Steve asks, when are we going to see Steven Stamkos on the ice? Will he even play this postseason? Well, how long are they going to play? Are they going to go to the Cup? Um, Steve, you don't have any better idea than I do, do you? I mean, they don't even talk about him anymore. They don't even, they don't even like, they're well, basically, Cooper their gets thing asked. Is, Cooper's he, like, he gets asked and he's, he's rehabbing when he can play, I'll tell you. And yeah, but he, he doesn't even want the question anymore. No. Like he's, he's like, hey, don't ask me. I'll, I, I'll tell you kind of thing. Mm hmm. That that doesn't sound like a guy. Now, we thought Victor Hedman would not play again, right? <laughs> after at least not that quick, the, yeah. Right, right. He was in the next game, um, but I just I just don't I don't get any kind of sense that that they think Stamkos is coming back. Although I know that you know the deeper they go in the playoffs, I mean, of course, the one thing missing from his resume is is to put his name on the Stanley Cup. I'm, he'd sure as hell like to participate. And they could use him, if nothing else, but to stand there and take one timers in the, you know, during the. Uh, hey, Andre you know. Pilat put one in on. Uh, yeah, on, he did on Thursday night. He did, but wouldn't it be nice to see Stamkos in that circle and they couldn't cheat? They oh yeah, to no, cheat absolutely. Him or him or Kucherov? And no, he, no, you want Stamkos there, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you but know, he's I the best shot I'd, on the team. What you're closer to the organization than I am. Is there any sense that where he's at? You know, the hard uh, part with this bubble is that there's no media access to practices right. or anything. So that's you right. have no idea, you know, is he skating with so the team? So could he be is skating, he skating right with, now and not no one know? Well, he could be with the team. He could be with the Black Aces. Um, you yeah. know, there's a group of, of, you know, players that aren't getting in the games that are up there practicing to, you know, be backups in that. So he could be with them or maybe he's just rehabbing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we really don't know at this point, other than all the team has said is that he's rehabbing. Wow. Well, we wish him well. I hope they get them back. I mean, I, I, for his sake and for theirs, because um, I really think they do have a chance to win a Stanley Cup this year. I think they have the right makeup. I think they have the right attitude. You know, they overcame adversity throughout these playoffs. They certainly overcame it with the COVID. And and to me, they still look like the best team in hockey. I think they have the best goaltender in the world. I don't. I really do. And so you put all that together, it would be a shame if if they were to get to the finals, and him not be able to play. So I hope he I hope he gets in, and they can certainly use him. All right, we'll end with this. And Brian had uh, actually emailed this last week, and we just didn't get a chance to get to it. So University of Cincinnati just gave head coach Luke Fickle an extension and a raise to three point seven million dollars. However, they just cut some sports programs this spring. My question is, is this poor optics and or poor judgment by the university? Well, you like Luke Fickle, right? You're a Cincinnati guy. Yeah, no, he's been he's been a tremendous coach up there. And, I, you know, and three three seven doesn't seem like out-of-market uh, value. Now, obviously, if you're not playing football, they're going to have to cut some sports and, and things like mm-hmm. that. I don't know what's in his contract. They he'll, cut he'll men's soccer and I think one other program as well. They, right. they were one of the first programs to announce uh, a couple cutting a couple sports with the COVID. Right, but just remember this: you're you're the head coach of a program that they they want you to be there. They've paid they paid you enough salary to be there, but when you do start playing again and you're successful, and they think you will be, that's why they're paying you three seven, which again is not the highest salary in in college football by a long shot. You're going to be producing all that revenue that's going to fund those other programs, and so winning right with Luke Fickle uh, will pay for his salary and then some. Um, so I would look at it in the long-term view that, yeah, if, obviously if he's not coaching football this minute and, and they're having to cut programs, that's a damn shame. The timing, that, that, the timing is probably unfortunate, although right. you can't, you know, it's a public institution, so you can't withhold that kind of stuff. Uh, right. but you know, but who if, really if, pays his salary, Steve? I mean, is it well, boosters? Is it the university? I mean, well, it's, it's the whole athletic program. I mean, the football program is bringing in a majority of the money. Their basketball program probably brings in some revenue too. And they got boosters, right? They oh, got absolutely. rich absolutely. alumni. Yeah. But yeah. I, the, I said, the timing's unfortunate, but if you don't pay him, he was going to go somewhere else. I mean, you know, that's, it's, correct. that's part of it too, is, you know, Cincinnati, much like USF or, you know, they're, they're stepping stone schools cause they're not in the power five. Right. And so if you're not paying them a lot of money, and Luke will. Fickle has had suitors and, you know, there was talk of him going to Michigan state when that job opened up and, and yeah. others. And, and, you know, he coached Ohio state for one season a few years ago after when Jim Trestle was let go. If right. you remember that happened in like May. So yeah. Fickle was the interim coach for the year before urban Meyer got there. Um, and then he's been in Cincinnati a couple of years and done a tremendous job. Um, I, I'll admit, I would be the first to admit I was not a fan of that hire. 
Um, I did not think a defensive coach was the right hire for Cincinnati. They've always had success mm-hmm. with young offensive coaches from Butch Jones and Brian Kelly, and, and you know there's a bunch of them in that, that have gone on to other schools and done really well. So I, I was not a fan of Fickle, but he has done a tremendous job there from not just the coaching end but the recruiting end of Cincinnati and, and there's a lot of talent in Ohio and stuff and he's done a much better job than Tommy Tuberville who he preceded him um, who yeah. did a really poor job recruiting so uh, you know yeah, I, I think that's the price yeah, but that's the price of keeping Luke Fickle I mean you know if you weren't going to pay him then you were going to lose him and they may lose him eventually anyway to a bigger right. school but you know if you weren't going to pay him he was gone yeah there's optics versus reality and I mean you know um, this is a free market. That's market value. It, it is what it is. And I th- again, college sports, while it's unfortunate, you know, the, the boosters are going to support the high revenue and, and, you know, they want to win. And, and if they do, um, that money will come back in, in spades. So, um, yeah, I think you gave a great analysis. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. And, and for that matter, you could pick any coach right now. How about in the PAC 12 or the big 10, you know, is Jim Harbaugh worth the money he's earning this year? You know, whose fault is it? It's not Jim Harbaugh's fault. He wanted to play. You know, so, I mean, this is just something we're going to have to endure. All right, my thanks to you guys. Those were great questions. You don't have to wait for a mailbag call. You can send us questions anytime you want to. Just do that on Twitter, at Sports Day Tampa Bay. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. The Lightning and the Boston Bruins, Game 4, is supposed to be on Saturday. We'll talk about that, of course, uh, after the weekend. And today, check out the tampabay.com or uh, me on Twitter if you'd like to get an update on what's going on in the Bucks scrimmage at Raymond James Stadium this morning. I will be there. For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 